0: seen their comments lately offering disclaimers saying the phrase I don't want to over spiritualize this <laughs> it's like uh, this could be God it could not be God I don't know um when somebody says that to me I'm I'm already like thinking about lunch <laughs> I like people that know when it's God and when it's not God if you don't know all you got to say is the facts. That's all you got to do. And an instance like this happened recently, and it involves the Georgia Guidestones that were partly destroyed. Partly destroyed. It's a monument in Elberton, Georgia, and I never heard of it until it was destroyed. But many in that community around that state and that area Shout out to the Georgia listeners, by the way. You guys are always coming in in uh, the top 10 in our monthly stats. We love our Georgia listeners. Yeah, many have said that these Guidestones, I mean, they're huge. They're massive. Uh, They're near Elberton, Georgia. Some of them called them uh, satanic, very, very satanic, based upon how they look and what they were built for. It's actually kind of a mystery why they were built and really even who built them. Uh, some guy named RC built them. RC Christian, right? I can't remember. Anyway, but what I do know about this, it's um, it's a big, large structure, and it has a a lot of uh, mainly a ten-part message espousing the the conservation of mankind and future generations, and all these things that are written on it are written in modern in eight modern languages, English, Spanish, Swahili, Hindi, Hebrew, Arabic, Chinese, and Russia, and four ancient languages, Babylonian, Classical Greek, Sanskrit, and Ancient Egyptian. And it's also said that these guidestones serves as a astronomical calendar. Part that is that many find offensive is that these guidestones make calls for keeping the world population at five hundred million or below, and these guidestones have been heavily scrutinized by a conspiracy theorists. There's a lot of uh, parts to the guidestones, and it doesn't seem like all of them were destroyed; only just a portion of them were destroyed. Uh, there's really no, we, they really don't know what happened to them. Some are claiming it was an act of God that. A lightning struck, it just boom from God, bam. Now, lightning strikes, it could have happened that way. I don't know. Somebody from a drone could have hit it. I don't know. <laughs> Here I go offering the disclaimers. But one thing I, that's concerning me is vandalism and arson. I don't like it. I don't like it. I have never vandalized anything in my life. I've never burnt anything to the ground in my life. I've never done anything to destroy somebody else's property. And the reason for that is I don't want them doing that to me. On a weekly basis, I pray for our local church and the church at large over our houses of worship against three things, vandalism, arson, and theft. For those of you that like to intercede, put that in your mind, vandalism, arson, and theft. Pray that over your church against vandalism, arson, and theft, because those spirits are out there. They're out there. They were really big in 2020 after all the uh, the race riots. They were burning churches, right? Stealing is out of control like crazy across the United States of America, of course across the world, but just vandalism, arson, and theft is happening in churches. Well, I don't want to go picking a fight that I don't need. By burning down somebody else's place of worship that I don't agree with, or destroying a statue or a monument. So, if you know who did this, please report it. We don't be we don't need that. We don't need anybody destroying anybody's structures. This is a a free country, and there is a um, pros and cons to that. With it being a free country, a lot of people that you may not agree with have their freedoms to do what they want, and you have to dwell peaceably, if possible. With uh, everybody, but do you see in the Book of Acts, Paul, Peter, James, John, all the apostles smashing idols? No, they didn't. They just simply preached about the one true God, and everybody realized the idols weren't doing anything for them. But Jesus was real; he was true, and so they burnt their own gods, burnt their own statues. (laughs) And a lot of times, when when there's vandalism, arson, and theft, and it's kind of like unexplained, and you don't know what happened, it usually was an inside job. Maybe somebody else um, got sick and tired of of the these guide stones that was in on it and uh, got their drone up and blew it up themselves. I I, I don't know. I mean, uh, who knows? Uh, I'm not an investigator. I, I don't know what happened, but uh, whoever was a part of that organization, yes, R C Christian. The RC Christian people are the ones that put it up there and said we need to keep the the world at 500 million or below. But we don't know why it blew up. I, I don't know. God does do uh, things like this. It happened in the Bible. You have Dagon, the the Philistine god. The it was a mermaid god, a merman god rather, half man half fish, and they worshipped it. They had a, a temple for him, and they. Uh, we're in a war against Israel, and captured the Ark of the Covenant. Brought the Ark of the Covenant in their temple to Dagon. They came in the next morning, and Dagon had fallen, and uh, they picked him up. Poor little Dagon, put him back up. It happened again. This time, his arms were crushed and broken, and they realized uh, there is something to this Ark of the Covenant. And then they got all got diseases up in their rectums, and I mean, they just realized, look, we can't fight this God. So they they. <laughs> So they had to make peace with Israel and return the Ark of the Covenant, right? So these things happen. But I don't know if this is what's going on with these guide stones. Maybe if you're from that area, let us know what is happening. Or it could just be the stones got weak and one just fell. We don't know. But I don't know. The earth is not overpopulated. Come on. For those of you that have ridden in planes, look out your window. Most of the time you're not going to see civilization. It's just earth, beautiful, God-made, green countryside. Then as you get closer into the city, you start seeing a bunch of squares and rectangles and circles from the farmers. Then as you get closer, yes, you see the cities and the towns, the little cars, the little people walking around. But for the most part, you don't see civilization. You don't see anybody up from that plane. The world is not overpopulated. And you've got evidence right outside of your airplane window. Mm Mm-hmm. So I don't think the Guidestones were an offense to the Ark of the Covenant. I don't think they were an offense to God of anything near there. I don't have those facts. Just deep down inside, I don't think this was an act of God. I don't think it was a sign from God. I don't. But what I think is going on here is it is the works of men. And there is just this spirit that has arisen in the country to erase history, to erase art, To do all of these things to recreate the socialist new world order. That's what they want to do. I don't understand it. You remember in 2020 they were pulling down statues of of historic, accomplished, very successful white men. Calling them racists. You know, protest. State your opinion. We're all listening. But my goodness, why destroy a statue? You know, those statues, a lot of them have been around for a long time. They're a lot older than you, and they'll probably outlive you. But they were burning and pulling down a lot of these statues, and I'm, I'm thinking, why not leave it up to let it send a message of how horrible slavery was, how horrible the darkness of this history of this country was. Leave up those statues to tell the message, right? But anyway, um, <laughs> I must digress. Look, Israel marched around Jericho and what fell down their walls. Their walls themselves were idols. They worshipped those walls. They made sacrifices, even offering their children, their babies, to those walls, and sticking the, the, uh, the, the remains, the body remains of their of their children in those walls as a sacrifice. They worshipped those walls as like gods, as their protectors, and so when the walls fell flat, it was a judgment from God upon those walls. So, God does do things like that. I've heard of stories like that. I have a friend who's a pastor. He told me that uh, he took a new church not too long ago, and there was a house not too far from the church that was uh, a drug house. Horrible, sinful things happened in that house, and it was causing problems for their church and their property. And And so he started praying, God, deliver us, God, protect us, and lo and behold, that house burnt to the ground. It's over. It's gone, and their church is safer and better for it. God does do things like that. Look, the Guidestones exploding. It's weird. It's unusual. But nobody knows the message on there. Nobody knows why. I guess there's some former politicians that wanted to get rid of them. They said it's satanic. <sighs> I don't know. But I just don't want to see things starting to get blown up. I don't want to see things starting to burn down. We don't need that right now in this country. We need peace. For heaven's sake, for our sake, pursue peace. You haven't heard a lot about this Russia-Ukraine war. I think they realize there's no soon peace coming, so why report anything? We all just turn our eyes away. Maybe they'll fight and get bored. I don't know what the story is on that. Pursue peace with all men. If God wants to destroy it, let him. And if he does, believe me, not a whole lot of it will remain. It'll be obliterated. That's how God does it. But he always is merciful. Never, never forget that. You are listening to Justin C. Gleason. Please consider following and keeping this podcast playing in the background of your productive day. Give a five star rating and support by giving through Cash App, PayPal, or Venmo at Justin C. Gleason. It's 2022, the year we prevail. Joining me in person in my office studio is Nathan Santomiri, the Executive Pastor of the Life Church of Kansas City, Missouri, Administrator with the UPCI Youth Ministries P7 Clubs, Client Acquisition Director with True Home, and a husband and a dad. Nathan, my friend, how you doing?
1: Man, I am doing great, and uh, thank you for the opportunity to be on this epic podcast. And I will just say before we get started, this podcast is... Epic! It Uh, is. It's what we need in our movement. It's what we need in our fellowship, and it is what we need for our students and for those that the loyal listeners of this podcast. As you'll know, over the last was it three years, two three years, two years, two and a half years, two and a half years that this podcast has been a beacon of light during COVID, during all the things that have happened. So, thank you for putting this podcast out there for everyone. We appreciate it,
0: man. I wish I had a better. Better act for you today after hearing all that. Thank you. Thank you. Well, your support for it has meant everything to me. Uh Nathan actually has designed the cover art for this podcast. The original Dove Tower. Yes. And then the, the radios that we have now. And I'm sure he'll do my next one. <laughs> whatever. When and whatever that will be. I don't know. But but man, uh P7 clubs are hot right now. Yes. I don't think I've ever seen any. I mean, we've had a lot of great products, but so much excitement and so many results over a product that UPCIYM has put out. Uh, Wait, P7 is UPCIYM, right? Yeah. (laughs) I had to make that clear. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, it's great. People are excited about it. I've read through the material. It's uh, tremendous. It's working. And uh, how do you see this? I guess, how has P7 just taken... Student personal evangelism to a, like a whole new level that it's never been before. Yeah, it's um
1: so P seven the director Seth Boyd. Um, shout out to Seth Boyd. It Absolutely, is, shout out to Seth Boyd. It is um it has gone to a new level, and I think that the excitement around it is that there's a easy way for students to impact their world in high school, junior high, and
0: mm-hmm. I think
1: what makes it so successful is that these the students. Across our fellowship, they are so engaged and ready to do something for the kingdom of God, and P7 provides an avenue for them to do so. And what's really exciting about P7 is that the the lessons that we give these students, the opportunities, it's not you're not asking them to explain the order of the Melchizedek Priest. You're not asking them to explain why they sacrificed this animal and not this animal. It's more conversational and it's more relational. Mm. And I think that's what really has caught on in our movement with students that have P7 clubs uh, at the Life Church. We've got four P7 clubs. And what's exciting about that is, is that these students, you see them and they're, they're, they're relational. They're not one that's going to leave somebody behind. And I think that's what really is driving this success of P7 clubs. Um, we had one club this year, had a hundred kids in it. On, just an, on an afternoon after school, kids stayed. And there's 100 kids. They wanted to hear what somebody was wow. saying. And I think, what's, again, what's so special about that is it's a driver for, for growth for a church, for sure. It's a driver for what the church, the local church is trying to do. But ultimately, it's setting these kids up as they are P7 missionaries to really walk into their school, to build relationships. They're setting them up for ministry for the rest of their lives. Because everybody's called to ministry. Not everybody's called to pulpit ministry, but everybody is called to ministry. Mm-hmm. And I think what it is doing is some of these, uh, we've seen it now where some church planters that are now starting churches were P7 missionaries. Wow. Went to CMI, then they're going to plant a church. And that's really what the progression that we're seeing. And I think that is so awesome is that these kids that have a hunger for for wanting to do something for God, we've put tools in their hands that are easy that are applicable. And what we're doing is we're teaching them how to be relational, but also point everything back to the kingdom of God. And so if you look at the P seven lessons, I mean, they're not, they're not super in depth, but they're, they're teaching these students how to be relational. And so if you, if you have a call of God and you feel that you have ministry pulpit ministry in your bones and you're in high school and you're listening to this, you need to start a P seven club. Yeah. It's always like those kids who are like, I feel called to be a missionary, but I can't reach those in my school. No, that's not how that works. (laughs) you've got you gotta you gotta work where you're planted right now and yeah. I think that that's that's why it's taking off so much right now is just because students are so excited to see the kingdom of God and and what's really cool is you get students who are telling testimonies of hey I prayed for a student's mom who had cancer and the cancer disappeared now you're talking there there was nobody you know in P7 in P7 and we've seen like testimonies of students who have been who've laid hands on students who are praying for their aunt, their uncle, and just miracles have happened. And, and it's not the pastor, it's not the associate past, not the executive past, it's the student. Yeah, and that's and that's when you start to see the Bible meet real life. Is where these people who said, I mean, Jesus wanted his disciples to go out. He said, "Go do these things. You're going to do greater things." And we're seeing that in P7, and again. When there's demonstration, the excitement just grows and grows and grows and grows. And I think that that's what's really caught this fire of the P7 wind is that I want, I I have ministry in my bones more than just sitting on a pew in a church, making one disciple my entire life, but really reaching for something greater than just me. And, um, and I think P7, we're trying to do our best to equip these students with lessons, video resources, and, um, really anything we can do to try and help these students mm. reach their world and reach their school because I mean we all know the school system is it's it's a can be a vile place at times.
0: It's a disaster.
1: Yeah. It's a disaster. But we're seeing these kids walk into their school, take authority over it and say that this is this is a place where God wants to live and we're gonna we're gonna facilitate an opportunity for people to come in contact with God. Mm.
0: So the kid who wants to set up a pulpit in a, in a classroom and preach and yell and have church, this is not the system for him. Probably
1: not the system, and it probably
0: won't work. <laughs> but this is for people that like to talk. Yeah. And get feedback. Yeah. And I think uh, a lot of people think God can't move that way. No,
1: he, he can.
0: I mean, when you and I just started talking, I felt God come in the office yeah. here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, some of the greatest moves of God I've ever had in my life have been in a car ride with somebody talking yeah. about the Lord. So true. To talk about God. He gets interested when and he shows up. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like, you know, if you're in a room and you hear somebody say your name, you're going to turn and look and say, Who said my name? Yeah. And I think God is the exact same way. Yeah, and
1: I and I think what's really cool about this is like if you are interested in starting a P7 club and you don't know where to begin, just, just reach out to one of somebody on the P7 team. We we can help you with that. But the coolest part is like a lot of these pictures we'll see posted on the P7 website are students that are like They've got the whole classroom praying, you know, but there's like pizza boxes in the back. God moves at pizza parties. He does. He moves at a donut party. Mm. God is not confined to the building. He will move when there are donuts present. Mm -hmm. And what's really cool about that is that like you see these students who are spending their own money to have donuts, to have pizza, and people are coming and they're being fed physical food, but also getting something spiritually, an application that can help them in their walk and relationship with God where Look, I mean, one in three kids in high school suffer from extreme depression. Yeah. We want to see the suicide numbers drive down. We want to see schools stop having acts of violence in them. Start a P7 club. Yes. Start reaching for those kids. Start taking authority. And again, when you take authority over your high school, something spiritual will happen. And when you walk in there and say, God, do what only you can do and, and start to drive out those spirits of anxiety and depression, God will do something supernatural. And yeah, Again, like... Um, there there are stories that we that we've got, and there's a there's a video series that's coming out. We'll share some of those testimonies. So I'm not going to spoil that. But like,
0: wait, a video series what? for P7?
1: Yeah, there's a video, uh-huh. new video series coming out, and it's gonna be um, it's gonna be about empowering students. Going to be a lot of testimonies that are going to be shared, and a lot of stuff that's just going to help students who you may you may be afraid to start a P7 club, but the. You have God backing you. There's no reason to be afraid to start a P7 club. Yeah. You may not be the cool kid. You think, maybe I won't be the cool kid. I won't be on the football team. Listen, all of that pales in comparison to when you see somebody in your school filled with the Holy Ghost and baptized in Jesus' name, and you're like, oh, okay, maybe this is worth it. And we've got a one of the testimonies that we've – and we've shared this, so this one was out there. We have a P7 missionary here in our church uh, in Kansas City. Uh, shout out to Alyssa. And yes, she – started a P7 club. And one of the first, um, uh, events they did, nobody came. She talked to the teacher and her teacher was like, my, my daughter needs what you have. Mm. Her daughter came to church, never been to P7 club, never met Alyssa before came, was filled with the Holy ghost and baptized in Jesus name in one service, one interaction. And Alyssa is making a disciple. And, And again, it's just, Wow. There's so many things that happen when you walk into that school and say that this this is a place where God wants to live
0: and he's going to reside. Amen. Oh, that's terrific. Yeah, and it's it's taken what I like to say, the supernatural and make it natural. Yeah. Yeah. And conversation is so natural. Yeah. And kids want to engage and talk and just that very act of talking about biblical things will help heal hearts and minds. Yeah. Break Every- cancers away. And, and yeah. Yeah. All kinds of things. So you guys made a, a video series? We did, yeah. It's going to be on the P7 podcast? It'll be on the P7
1: podcast. It'll be on the UPCYM um, YouTube page as well. So, yeah, we're excited about it. Yeah. Was he drinking espresso? We, we, had, uh, we had a lot of coffee that day. <laughs> <laughs> I'm ashamed to tell you how much we drank that day, but there was a lot. He makes some beautiful-looking drinks. He does. Yeah. <laughs> Seth, we got to get you to Kansas City to make us coffee. Oh, yeah.
0: Show us how it's done. Maybe a barbecue sauce latte. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, man, uh, you uh, were a youth pastor at our church for a long time, and you took a youth group that had really low morale and built it back up very, very quickly, and I think maybe a lot of youth pastors right now are in that type of position. A lot of youth groups are wondering, why is there not energy in our youth group? What would you say to the youth pastor, the youth team, even to youth workers, hyphen youth, everybody, how to maybe put a spark in your youth ministry and how to keep it alive? Yeah. Um, I will
1: say something that I've learned in ministry is that, uh, you can't ask students to do what you're not willing to do, especially students. Mm. And, um, I think there is, there's this role as the youth pastor that it's really easy to get excited about the preaching, laying on of hands, and the altar work. Those things are awesome, and we have to have those. Yeah. But to get the energy and to build a youth group that is going to be more than just seeking a pulpit or seeking affirmation, you've got to lead by example and for example um, when we took over there was there there was a lack of the worship spirit in our youth group and i'll never forget like I, god just kind of spoke to me and he said show them out of worship you're talking to kids who are 12 13 14 coming into the youth group they may not see worship at home mm. they may not ever see their parents leading in worship at church. And God just spoke that into my spirit. And when we took over, we decided, I decided that I'm not going to ask our students to do anything I'm not willing to do. So if I want our students to worship, I've got to show worship. Yes. So even in you are youth pastor, you know, this, there are some services where the music is so terrible that you just want to rip your ears off and just quit service. (laughs) And that happens. But I said, I'm going to worship in spite of that. And when we began to show them how to do things, so with worship, disciple making, how to reach those that are in the seat across from them that may not be, um, there's a lot of churches that have youth groups that could be just formed off students who don't actually come to youth service. Right. And reaching those students. But I think that the number one thing is to just show your students, model the behavior that you expect. Every manager, thats if you want an employee to do something, you model the behavior. Bishop Gleason, he talks about discipleship. He makes disciples. You talk about discipleship. You make disciples. And that's cascaded down to the staff, and that's the same way it is with youth pastors. If you want to see a change in your youth group, you do it. And I I'll never forget. I had a youth pastor call me, and I said, "Hey, man." He was asking the same exact question. He said, "I can't get morale up in my youth group." He said, "Nobody worships," and he just listed all these problems. And I said, "Well, when was the last time you were down front worshiping?" <laughs> he goes, "Well, I can't get down front and worship. I, I, you know, I, I've got other stuff to do. I got to make sure I got pray, hand, lay hands on people." And I said, "Man, so why don't you just get down front one Sunday, just worship?" And I mean, he had a big youth group, and he was like, "Well, yeah, and every excuse in the book." And he didn't make it as a youth pastor. He couldn't ever get morale up. Mm -hmm. And then I had another youth pastor call me who said, hey, Nathan, you know, I'm really struggling, man. And I said, hey, why don't you just model some of the behavior? I said, what do you want your youth group to look like? He said, well, I want them to be worshipers. I want them to see the supernatural. And I want them to be able to, uh, to, to reach their schools. I said, okay. I said, if you want the supernatural, I said, you got to empower your students to see the supernatural. When there's time for laying on of hands and you want to see people healed, I said, you step back and just let them do it. God God can work through a student just like he works through you. And I was like, you want to see them worship? You get down in front and worship with them. I said, if they're not feeling worship, if the song's terrible and things aren't working, I said, you still got to worship. I said, you can't fold your hands and sit back there and say, oh man, this isn't working you as the youth pastor, you as the youth leader, youth workers, you model the behavior you want to see. And then all of a sudden that starts to follow. And this youth pastor, he called me, he was like, man, he's like, I I don't know what's happened. He said, our youth group went from like 15 to 45 kids overnight. And I was like, man, you're modeling the behavior. I said, how's it growing? He said, people started P7 clubs, people started Bible studies, people started making disciples. And I said, well, what's worship look like? And he goes, they're down front every single service. They're doing this every single. service. I said, man. I said, when you model the behaviors, I said, and he said, now it's the culture of youth group, and that's really what youth ministry is about. Is you have to build that culture, and if you don't build that culture, um, you're going to really struggle as a youth pastor, as a youth worker. And I think that that's what's so special about it is somebody once explained youth culture and youth work to me as you're building the legacy of the founding of the or of the pastor of that church mm. because they may have influence on the saints of the church but they may not have as much influence on the young people of the church you're building the church for tomorrow sure. and that that legacy of the pastor is no pastor wants to say hey i had a great church but it died because we didn't we didn't and there was no legacy left for the youth group and I, and I was such a believer in that, that my job as a youth pastor was to continue the legacy of Pastor Gleason and to continue the legacy of what he created. And that was to go ye, and his, his vision was to go ye into all the world and make disciples. So my job as a youth pastor was to model the behavior that I wanted to see and then to help inspire that, to create that legacy, Amen. to continue on. Because at the end of the day, we are building for the Church of Tomorrow in youth work. And that's, it's just something I'm passionate about.
0: Yes, Oh, well, that's good stuff, and those are just—and I didn't even hear you say anything about you got to spend this amount of money. No, <laughs> no, you got to do new this or that. It's just no. simply, yeah. Start with a lot of those basics, and that is lead by example.
1: Yeah, and and I mean, and it works. Yeah, and game nights are good, um, but we we strip that out. We wanted to see God move. We wanted to see God take the youth group to the next level, and I mean. Mm-hmm. What's really and in it, in it, and again, I think this is so dynamic. Is our new youth pastor Caleb Gleason, who is an amazing youth pastor, and is going to be an amazing youth pastor, and he's going to see, he's going to see this youth group get to a hundred at the Life Church. But what is so special about it is that there was no fall off after like with what the students they because Caleb was invested in that. He was trying to model that behavior. Right. And again, I think what's so cool about it is we've seen students cast devils out of people. We've seen students lay hands on those who had ankle and leg braces on and healed instantly. When you model that behavior, when it starts at the church and gets into the pulpit, and again, same thing with youth work. When you model that behavior and trust your students, just let God do what he does,
0: it works. Yes. In a youth service. In a youth service. Holy Ghost falls. Yeah. Healings. Yeah. Devils cast out. Yeah. And I think youth services are powerful. Amen. I think uh, if you're a youth pastor not doing them, you know. Might be time to (laughs) revalue. It's time to. When I came home uh, from Bible college and uh, did youth ministry, there was no regular youth services, it was uh, youth activities. Yeah. And I just looked at the system and I just didn't feel it was good. And, you know, trying to, first of all, trying to compete with Friday night, other things going on, very difficult. So I just decided, you know, let's have youth service. <laughs> and all, all of a sudden the youth group exploded and it was great. It's amazing. Regular happens. youth
1: services. It's amazing what happens when we just let God do what he needs to do.
0: You know, and they like it. Yeah. You know, they, they like it. They look forward to it. And be honest with you, I can't create that great of fun. They can create their own good fun. <laughs> but, you know, we had some fun dodgeball nights. Yeah. And some good scavenger hunt activity. Yeah you'd be amazing yeah. what you find around your church <laughs> so, yeah yeah and shout out to Caleb yeah yeah great teacher preacher of the word Amen. of God great youth Amen. pastor so, yeah youth ministry is special and I think it's one of the bread and butter ministries of every church it is so. should be <laughs> yeah yeah So yeah, youth services, social events, and you think it's important to support your district conventions and camps? Oh my goodness, yes. um, Youth Congress. Yeah, I
1: do. And the reason is, is that like, um, youth convention was always my favorite. Youth Congress is, for every youth pastor out there who suffered through Youth Congress, I know I sympathize with you. In fact, one quick story, um, Youth Congress 2017, um, it was a crazy year for us, uh, for my wife and I, and, um, we, I love Youth Congress. Youth Congress is actually, um, my wife sat in front of me uh, at Youth Congress. And Here I we go. Didn't know who she was at the, at, 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 back in 2009. Uh, and I'll tell that story a little bit later, but. No, tell it now. Uh, okay. It now. All right. So uh, 2009, before Youth Congress, God spoke to me. Uh, it's kind of similar to your story with uh, Sister G, is that um, <laughs> you knew you were going to meet your spouse in a certain year, or see her at least. Yes. And I remember before Youth Congress, God said, it's time for you to find a wife. Mm. And I was like, all right. And lo and behold, in 2009 at Youth Congress in Nashville, Tennessee, she sat right in front of me in one of the sessions. And I remember like, my Lord, let's go. Um, And I did not take your advice and I slid into the DMs.
0: (laughs) You know what? There's nothing wrong with that.
1: But she didn't respond. If you make your intentions clear. I was clear. And like, literally, um, so... My wife, like, did not respond for 10 days. And so, like, I, like, finally was like, you know what, I I, I kept messaging. I was like, this is, this is going to happen. And uh, we started talking, and she was like, I am not interested in anything seriously right now. And I was, like, challenge accepted. So, and lo and behold, we're married. We just celebrated 10 years, so two kids later. So, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Youth Congress.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, so, yeah, dating and healthy relationships yes. is a – hot topic yes here on this pod so so you got to stick your neck out yeah. a little bit at times yeah it was awkward uh you know and look i so what's
1: crazy is this is that your one of your recent episodes inspired me so um i 3 weeks before i talked to my wife or 2 uh, it was a month before i talked to my wife and i was trying to connect with this girl at youth congress to go on a date see she told me, she goes, you are not good al- good enough looking to even consider on a date. And nope. I was like crushed. I was like, okay, like what would I do? But I was like, you know what? I'm going to jump right back in. And I did not like suffer and wallow. I did not shame myself. I was like, she's an idiot. And I like, see the schmuck she She's married, an idiot. Not, yeah, she, the schmuck she married now. She married I was, a like, schmuck. <laughs> I was like, you know what? You deserve each other. You're both schmucks. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but here I am happily married and uh, ten, 10 years and two kids later, like it just... When you date, like we dated for a while, um, we actually broke up and then got back together. Oh, but it was it was like one of those things where, if we hadn't broke up, we probably wouldn't be married today. And it was because we were both stubborn, and I wasn't moving to Florida, and she wasn't moving to New Jersey. And it was so you
0: both had to move to Kansas City. <laughs> <laughs> so we, um,
1: so afterwards, she was praying about it, and you know, she was like, "Hey, you know, um, he was the one." And God, the Mm. the crazy story about this is God actually opened a door for her to take a job in New Jersey that initially was, when she applied for the job, they said it was in Palm Beach, Florida, which was where she lived in Florida. And she's like, oh, this is great. And then during the interview process, they were like, hey, how do you feel about moving to New Jersey? And she was like, uh, what? So... She like messages me and again, we're not together at this point. She messages me and she goes, Hey, um, how far is Florham park, New Jersey from you? And I'm like, well, that's where our church is. And my parents live in Whippany, which is literally the next town over. And I was like, why do you ask? And she's like, I'm taking a job there. And in my mind, I'm like, Oh, this is great. But I'd be lying to tell you if we started dating right away, we did not. So um, she moved there in August of two thousand. She so still
0: talked, even though you were broke up. Yeah. About careers and futures yeah. and movings. Yeah. So the door was always open. And well, clearly, you guys broke up, but no hearts were broke. They were broke temporarily. <laughs> okay. Anyway, go ahead. Uh,
1: I'm sorry. No, uh, but then so then she uh, she moved up there. I think it was two thousand in August of two thousand and ten. Yeah. And in um, January of two thousand and eleven, we started dating again. And we dated for nine months, got engaged, and we were engaged for seven months, and then got married. Wow! So we date we had a we had a it was like a year and a half worth of sample size before we put before (laughs) before we before we got engaged. But yeah, no, it was um, a total God thing. And then three years after we got married, um, God moved us to Kansas City. We thought we were coming for a job. Little did we know that we'd find the Life Church Mm -hmm. and. Um, God would just open incredible doors here. And, you know, and I think, and again, I think one of the most important things is that you model the behavior you want to see, right? So, like, I'll never forget the first Saturday that we met Pastor Gleason and and, and you here at the church. We met, we were supposed to have lunch, and we um, just walked in, and um, your mom was here. Actually, Sister Gleason was here setting up for something out in the narthex. Mm-hmm and you weren't out there yet and pastor wasn't there yet and she just walked out and greeted us as if we had been at this church for 100 years mm. and i'll never forget that and I, I and i remember feeling like wow like she has no clue who we are but she just made us feel so special and again if, as a youth worker as a, as as anybody in ministry if you want people to make to feel valued and to feel welcome and to stick around at your church if you're walking in and you're walking straight to the platform or you're walking straight to your seat, not talking to anybody, it's not going to work. But that moment of interaction. And then you came out, you took, gave us a tour of the church. And then we went to lunch and it just was, it just changed everything because I was like, man, this is, this is special. This is the way ministry should be done. It wasn't on Sunday. It wasn't preaching. It was just, who are you? Let's talk. And it was just, it, it truly. And again, I, you know, I, We've been here seven years now, mm-hmm. um, and it's just been it's been a incredible journey just to see God's hand in every step. But again, it just goes back to, you know, imagine if Pastor or you were like, hey, you know what? I'm the pastor. I'm the executive pastor. I'm the associate pastor of the church. I don't have time to meet with a new family. I don't have time to do this. I don't have time to do that. How would that interaction been different than when we came on staff? Would we be just like, yeah, whatever? It's no big deal. But truly reaching and trying to model that behavior
0: is it's truly something special. Yeah. So. Well, human connections being personable is yeah. truly exceptional. Yeah. Uh these days. So Yeah. man, what a story. Shout out to Sister Daytha. Yeah. If you guys uh celebrated ten years, you went to Chicago, I know, but <laughs> Yeah. Or you got stuck in Chicago. We, or- yeah, so
1: we were supposed to go to Montreal for our ten year anniversary and flights these days are a disaster. And oh my so we God. um we were um
0: What's a good city to get stuck in?
1: Yeah. It wasn't terrible. Not bad. So we, uh, so we, so we, our flight got canceled. So on Thursday morning, Daytha was like, "This is just, this is ridiculous. Like, what are we gonna do?" So Friday morning when we woke up, she goes, "What's the next flight out of Kansas City?" I was like, "It's a ten forty to Chicago." So we bought the tickets, got on a ten forty to Chicago, and spent uh, spent our anniversary weekend in Chicago. So it was great. So had some great food and uh, got to see good city. Took a boat tour. So it was fun. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I love Chicago. Yeah, great food. A b- yes. So. Some of the best in America there. Yeah. Those little guys on the street corner, they can cook hot dogs. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Very good hot yes. dogs.
1: They're different than New York hot dogs, too.
0: Yeah. Well, they, they, they put the... I mean, it's like a salad on a hot dog. Yeah. <laughs> they put the, the pickles... It's healthy. The, very healthy. Yeah. I didn't eat like breakfast, lunch, or dinner at those stands, but those were like my snacks. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because, <laughs> you know, when you're walking, you know, for yeah, miles, you get tired. You, you get, yeah. You, you need a hot dog. <laughs> it'll pick you up. <laughs> but they put the the, the 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 tomatoes, the pickles, the sport peppers, the celery salt, mm-hmm. uh, the spicy must, all of that. It's just, ah, just good. On a lot of Vienna sausage. Yeah, it's, it's great. You guys went to Gene and Georgetti's? We did. Right. Yeah. It's good. I got the uh, New York
1: Strip. I'm like really into New York Strip steaks. They're really good. Oh, of course. And then, um, Got some uh, mo- uh, fresh burrata and pr- uh, prosciutto, so it, mm-hmm. was, it was great. Some it was, nice Italian people. Some nice hey. Italian
0: people. Yes. <laughs> that's a good restaurant. It is. Yeah, that's it was, a, that's an old Chicago restaurant. I felt
1: like I stepped back into the forties. I mean, yeah, for sure. So you yeah, wear an old old fashioned suit? I did not. I wore uh, <laughs> I wore slacks and a button up. But uh, <laughs> Dave was like, I feel like we need a suit to get in here. And then there was a guy in there with shorts and a sleeveless t shirt. So I was like, Ah, not so bad. ah
0: you're good. <laughs> yeah. So the shopping's good. That's a great town. Yeah. Maybe I should go to Chicago. That yeah, was great. <laughs> get, a, get a pizza. <laughs> did you get pizza? We did, get yeah. It? Lou Malnati's. Yes. So. Oh, man. I want pizza. Yeah. You know, not too long ago, when they were really pushing, like, food shortages, and it was kind of in the wake of the Russia-Ukraine yeah. war, I was sitting there recording a podcast, and I was just thinking about my family, my kids, like, what's going to go wrong? And as I was looking out the window, like, three pizza dudes drove by. Yeah. I'm like, pizza, people are ordering pizza. <laughs> Nobody has a nuclear bunker. I doubt anybody here has an armory. <laughs> and they're ordering pizza. Nobody cares. Nobody's worried. We're okay. <laughs> I'm going to be okay. <laughs> that's the truth. People. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, flights are being capable, but people are still able to get to Chicago. Still able to get to Chicago it's and, to have and have get get pizza, yeah. Yeah, and that's that's marriage, you know. Yeah. Sometimes you got to be flexible and improvise and be happy with it. Yes. No yeah. matter what, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. Be willing to pivot, and I think that you know, especially with two kids, and you've got three. So I mean, you know, like, sure. gosh, parenting is like it's one of those things where it's it's a constant. Like your head is on a swivel, but like you always, uh, you know. Yeah. Took we took our kids to Disney last year, and yeah. it was like the trip. We got there, and like all of a sudden, like the day did not start out as planned, and. As a parent, you're like, okay, now what? What do we do now? Like, how do we fix this so that our kids still have an enjoyable day after we spend all this money to go to Disney? And at the end of the day, all that matters is the memories with the kids. And like, I yes. think that that's what a marriage is about: is you. Some things aren't going to work out the way it's planned, mm-hmm. but how do you how do you in that moment still, as a spouse, say, you know what, it may not be perfect, it may not be the way we envisioned it. But let's make the best of a bad situation, and that's um,
0: of course that's that's marriage, that's parenting. Yeah. So, Datha was originally not for Data and Nathan. No. But the job change—would mm-hmm. you say that was a sign that she just said, "Whoa, there's no way this is a coincidence"? Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. She. Uh, I mean, of all the places, New Jersey. Yeah, yeah, and she had other jobs like too that
1: just kind of fell through at the last minute, and she was like, and then this one she applied for was in Palm Beach, and then all of a sudden they were like, hey, we actually want you based in New Jersey. So in the same town, same town,
0: you're the church of her ex boyfriend. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I mean, <laughs> and she still had feelings yes. for. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Well, uh, part of this podcast, which which was originally based on signs, yeah, how to interpret them, how to yeah. follow them. It's not just to say, oh wow, we wow, okay, great. But it's meant to direct like a sign yeah. Yeah. does out there on the street to tell you where to turn, where not to turn, where yeah. to go. You know, where's the restroom? Follow the signs. That's right. right. Yeah. <laughs> you're
1: right. That's that's exactly and right.
0: Where do I get married? Who do I get married. Follow the signs. Follow the signs. And a job, a career, yeah. A big change like that will it'll push you out.
1: It will push you out. And I mean that's so part of the story that I've really only told very few people about and I've shared this with you, but it's just us here and I'll share this with, and I'll share this with the loyal (laughs) listeners because I (laughs) I think this, this could help somebody is so when we were looking at moving from New Jersey, little background is I was, uh, my dad's church, he was a pastor. I was the associate pastor there. And, um, and probably early summer of 2014, God kind of just started to impress on myself and my wife that the season might be ending in New Jersey. I didn't know what that meant, but God spoke a word to me, and he said, remain faithful, and I'll open the door. And um, I think that something in ministry and people that want to be ministry-minded, maybe pulpit ministry, maybe a little bit more than just being somebody that sits on a pew, is your faithfulness and your submission will open doors that your talents can't. And your faithfulness and your submission will take you places that you've never dreamed, that you've not even dreamed of. I've had spiritual dreams since I was a kid. I've had dreams in my life where there mm-hmm. are still th- dreams that I haven't seen come to pass yet. But I'll never forget we were flying home from my um, wife's grandmother's funeral in Indianapolis. She went to Calvary for 60 years. Um, and I'll never forget Brother Mooney preached her funeral, and it was a looking back at it. It was a message for us. It wasn't a funeral message, but he wow. just kept saying, just let God direct you. I mean, at a funeral, people were like, okay, Brother Mooney, like, what, what's going on here? But he mm. had no clue that he was speaking to two people on the front row Jesus. that were in the midst wow. of trying to find this, um, find the will of God for their future. And I'll never forget God when God spoke that on the flight back. We were flying back and we had flown out of Indianapolis. We were landing in New Jersey, and I just started weeping, sitting at the looking out the window, and um, just remained faithful, and I'll open doors. Mm. And so that summer, I didn't know what it meant. I just continued to pray and just say, God, I, I don't know what I'm feeling because I, I never felt that shift before where it was like you're about to leave everything you know and mm-hmm. go into the unknown. And I'll never forget, um, my dad asked me to preach on a Sunday, and um, the word that God gave me was about the story of Abram, and He said, um, "And that go out of your go out of your father's home yeah. into a land you don't know. Go." And I'll never forget um, that after that message, Detha goes, "Do you feel like you were preaching to us?" And I was like, "Yeah, I, I don't know why, I, but I, I do." And several weeks later, she got a call from her company, and they were like, "Hey, we want to promote you." the options are San Diego or Kansas City. And everybody's like, "Why didn't you choose San Diego?" I was like, "Well, I'm kind of done with the expensive coastal living. I'd like to land in a place where if we're going to move, Midwest, a little bit more reasonably priced and they've got barbecue." That's right. So, New Jersey was no barbecue. But um <laughs> so we prayed about it and it was Labor Day weekend we were driving home from Ohio. Um, uh, we were at a family reunion and data goes, Hey, so I have this job. The, my company asked me and she said, I'm bringing it to you. And she said, I am submitted to whatever we decide to do, whatever you feel is best for our family. She said, I know God's been speaking to you. And, um, so we prayed about it and that was in September. Well, finally they were like, Hey, we want you to come visit fast forward now to November 9th or November, um, yeah, November 9th was our first Sunday here at TLC mm. to visit, and in the middle of the service, God spoke to both of us. They were singing uh, "Jesus be the center of it all," and God spoke to both of us that this would be home. Mm. And I'll never forget that moment. I just started weeping, and um, you were you were sitting there, and I'll never forget afterwards. Pastor got a, got up and preached. Um, uh, he preached a message, and I, the title is I literally wrote it down. It's slipping my mind, but he is preaching about being together in that moment and in that message at the altar call, God reaffirmed everything, and he said, this is home. Mm. And I'll never forget it. Like, it just was that summer, though, of just remain faithful, and I'll open the doors. Remain faithful, and I'll open the doors. And so, again, if you're struggling with the call of God, if you're struggling with what you need to be doing to see doors open, be faithful. Be faithful be submitted because those doors that can open and, and I mean, since we moved here to Kansas city doors have opened that I've never thought, never even dreamed, but through that faithfulness and through that submission, God just begin to, began to begin to do a work. And again, it, it led to us yeah. being here now. And, you know um, so again, it just, but that, that it all started with that gentle nudge of the Holy ghost, that something is coming, something is changing, but I need you to be faithful in this moment because when we get so, when we feel that first sign of something that's different in our spirit, we want to jump and say, okay, how do I do this? But in reality, God may be saying, just slow down. Mm-hmm. Because if you could jump into the wrong door very easily, but we slowed down. And that summer was just a summer of prayer and fasting and reflection and just saying, God, whatever it is, we'll, we'll do, whatever it is. And here we moved to Kansas City. We knew you know, about 10 people when we moved here. And um, that that's big. That's a small number when you leave everything you know behind. And God has blessed it. God has honored it. Um, but at the end of the day, it just is you've, that faithfulness and that submission are, are so important because without it, you'll never be what God has called you to be.
0: Yes. Wow. And that happened over a summer. Yeah. That's pretty common. Yeah. Like summer is like the the hot, dry testing season yeah. for a lot of us. Yes. And you go through that not knowing a thing, but out of nowhere, God steps in and shows his will.
1: I mean, think about it. Youth Congress was at the end of summer. That's when I met my spouse. Didn't even know it. She was sitting right in front of me. (laughs) And, I mean, just the way God has worked in my life is that summers have always been um, a time of of trying. Like Mm -hmm. in 2020, the summer of 2020 was a time of trying for me. Mm -hmm. And on the other side of it was... um, something that, you know, God just opened up in in my walk and relationship with God and through the partnership that God has with me. It was at the end of it was something that I never thought. And again, God just continued to blow my mind and continue
0: to work. So, wow. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. He'll order your steps. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, I just, uh, just kind of the next point I want to talk about is the call of God. Yeah. Um, you know, I've never met anybody that said, you know, God called me to preach, and I just got right in, in into it. Uh, I didn't struggle, I didn't doubt. It just uh, doors opened, you know. No. And here I am. Everybody's no. like, you know, it took me a while to figure it out. Yeah. And after I figured out, it took a while for everybody else to figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it took a while for <laughs> things to work out. <laughs> so, what was it like, kind of like for you? I think a lot of guys and girls, they're there. Yeah. Right so, now.
1: my grandfather was a pastor. Um, my dad is a pastor. And everybody is a kid, you know, Oh, you're going to be a preacher. You're going to be a pastor. You're going to do this. You're going to do that. And I, I,
0: I, I didn't see. that was not my story. Nobody believed I could be a preacher <laughs> and <laughs> act like one, <laughs> but everybody, just, but I'm glad they did for you. <laughs>
1: um, I don't know. It was just weird. And then I'll never forget after I got the Holy ghost, uh, God just began to deal with me as at a young age. Just there's more for, there's more for you. Even in high school, um, I never really fit in with anybody
0: mm.
1: at all. Um, like I was captain of the basketball team and I might say, might say I'm, I did all that modestly. And my dad was like, if you're going to play basketball, you can't miss a church service. You miss a church service, you're going to miss a game. And I was like, and wow. that, that was his rule. And so even practice, a good rule. even practices, like I, if I, if I knew if I couldn't be at practice, my coach was, wasn't going to play me, but I had this like, just, moment finally after um, years my dad gave me opportunities to preach and to you know do announcements and I'll never forget my dad sat me down one time. Shout out to Brother Santomier. Yeah. <laughs> and he sat me down one time and he said the call of God on your life is there. He said, Until you go all in, God will never go all in. And I had that moment where That's I true. I had to decide that this is everything I wanted to do. And because I, I knew that there was a call of God on my life. I knew that God wanted to use me. I knew that God wanted me to, to preach the gospel. But that moment was, it was a youth Congress. And, um, it, it was shortly thereafter that my dad and I had that conversation that I had had a summer of frustration. And I said, God, I said, I'm willing to do whatever. And I had a couple buddies in my life that they weren't, they weren't supportive of ministry. They weren't, I mean, they weren't, they weren't bad people. They just weren't supportive of ministry. And God spoke to me and he said, it's time to sever the ties that are holding you back. And ever since then, the call of God in my life has been sure and it's been elect. I've never wavered after that moment on whether or not God had something and whether or not the call of God was real for my life. I knew that God wanted me to do things and work for his kingdom. I knew he wanted me to make disciples. But after that moment where I said, God, I'm willing to separate myself from anything that is going to pull me back. And when I met Dave, it was the same thing. Hey, here's the call of God on my life. I know that God has a call on your life because she was involved in ministry as well. I said, but here's where I feel God is calling me. And ever since then, like it was just an honest, transparent conversation. But you know, and, and the opportunities came. But it was through those seasons of saying that I want the call of God more than I want to be on the basketball team, more than I want to be popular in school, more than I want to have all the cool friends, but I am willing to separate myself from all of that to step into the call of God. And while I may not know what it looks like right now, I want the call of God above it all. Mm. Wow, when you did that. Everything
0: changed. God just said, boom, here it is. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> there was there
1: was many days. Boom, of, here's a little bit. <laughs> yeah. He, he gave me, you know, um, it was never like, here it is. Opportunities would come, but it was... Serving. Yes. Serving. My dad um, was a pastor of a church plant. It was picking up chairs and setting up for service and getting to church at 4.30 when church didn't start till 7 so that the church could be ready. Serving, serving, serving. And then the opportunities came, but it wasn't without that serving. It wasn't without submission. And here's the other thing. My dad told me, and I've heard you say it on this podcast, you find a need in the church and you serve it. My dad's need for me in the church was he needed somebody that could get there to church early so he could study so that when he got there, the church, it was set up. We'd set up 100 chairs or whatever it was, set up the sound system. And I had no knowledge of a soundboard, but I knew how to set the sound system up. I had no knowledge of how to play the keyboard, but I knew how to set the keyboard up and found a need, and I just served. And then the opportunities mm-hmm. came. But it without that serving, without that submission, no, that, that that doesn't come. You don't get you don't get the opportunity. Somebody might say, Oh, you're a great preacher. Great, I'll give you an opportunity. But when they see that you're not willing to serve or when you're not willing or you don't have the right spirit, they're gonna sit you down real quick. Yeah. And that's where I think that this generation, one word to this, to the loyal listeners of this show is you serve and just let God do the rest. Don't worry about if you get in the pulpit six times a year or whatever that looks like. Just serve mm-hmm get there early be a part of the service and if and i soapbox for a second if you feel that you've got a a pulpit ministry call of god on your life the last thing that you need to be doing is sitting there playing on your phone during service
0: period yes
1: get in there get involved in the service let the other students let other people see you worshiping or doing the kingdom work which is so much more than just coming to church and preaching Mm. I have heard you said it and I've seen it, say it, and I've seen it. Some of the best times that I've had in church isn't the preaching, but it's the altar work.
0: Yes. Work
1: the altar. Work the congregation and help people and just reach and serve and then the opportunities come. I, <laughs> I can't is. I can't stress it enough. Serve and then let God do it.
0: <laughs> Amen. Oh man. Awesome. I've enjoyed this very, very much. Yes. Bad. Yes. Well, it's time to go chow down, isn't Yes, it? amen, amen, <laughs> the best part. All right, everybody, Nathan Santomieri, scroll down to your show notes and look up how you can get involved in P7 Clubs and lots of other great things. Thank you so much for listening. We'll talk to you soon again sometime.